there's a uh, there's an alternate episode only to be shared amongst the three of us that consists of all the stuff we talk about when the mics are rolling, but before we're actually talking about movies. No one will ever. You don't. Anyone listening to this won't ever hear the stuff that I'm referring to. But know that it does. There, there, there is there is material. Yeah, it is a it is a thirty gallon vat of filth. It's so <laughs> the, the episodes that we bust in and we're just having a lot of fun. Those are usually the ones that have the really grade A pre episode talks. Yes, like yes. the ones like today. Yes, we just edited out something that we all enjoy talking about. Something that has put a smile on all of our faces. All actually. of our faces. So. But, Hello. but hopefully we can convey some of that <laughs> to your ears. Just a fraction of it. Capture the magic. What, what, was, what did you say? Capture the magic? Capture the magic. <laughs> Capture the magic. Capture the magic. As your mouth dried yeah. out and you filled it with water. <laughs> <laughs> and I lost... I was at the end of a breath and captured the magic. I kind of forced it out. See, everyone, we're having fun. At the end of a breath. Hello. I'm John. I'm Ronald. (laughs) Are you sure? I'm Steve. And this is Movie Schmovie, episode number 087. Man, we're going to hit 100 at some point. Yeah, if we keep going. Usually it comes after 87, so let's keep going in that direction. At this rate, if we make... 13 more after this one, we will hit 100. Get the f... We should do something really big for 100. Yeah. Really <laughs> that silence means that we're really thinking hard for something really big. We, we should. Really hard. But instead of thinking about that, let's do something really small and insignificant <laughs> like what we're going to talk about in this this episode. It's just another movie. Just another movie just or another two. Just another movie or two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what you been up to, Ronald? Chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool, and out shoot some b-ball outside of school. When a couple of guys that were up to no good started making trouble, I'm never. Any, I mean, you're not the only guy that's gone through that whole thing. <laughs> I think they made a show. Or... I think they did, man. I don't know why you trailed off. It's almost know. like you were embarrassed. <laughs> I know you turned. I realized that I I had done too much of it. Yeah, I've been I've been kind of uh, busy with work and stuff, but I've also been watching a couple of good things. Yeah. Um, I watched uh, Pacific Rim, not to be confused with Atlantic Rim, the straight to Blu-ray DVD VOD that happened about a month before Pacific Rim came out. Uh, Man, Guillermo del Toro. So if there was ever a time that he redeemed himself in terms of just making a good, solid, I I think that he makes good stuff, although the stuff that he produced seem kind of suspect lately i think i don't even i don't even factor that in like, you know, okay, like well so i mean it doesn't mean like when we talked about mama uh, earlier in the year we mm. it leads to a conversation about del toro and what his role in that kind of yeah. movie might be but i don't think it really harms his track record as a as a director my to right. me i had the stamp of like guillermo del toro presents because because it can be kind of damaging sometimes for well, it happened to Spielberg a lot in the 80s in the sense that he had, there were a lot of movies he produced right. that weren't really like up to snuff. But I guess what I'm saying is I don't think in the long term it really hurt People, his brand yeah. too much. People forget about the produced stuff. And they'll remember all of Guillermo del Toro's main stuff. So I was going to say, uh, go ahead. You, no, I was going to say, right. I, I kind of like fall in the middle. Like I feel like, I feel like to us it may not affect our opinions of the, those filmmakers as much or at all. Mm-hmm. But I think that... In, in a lot of like the casual viewer, I think a lot of people associate and, and cannot disconnect from the idea of somebody presenting it and not being the director. Yeah, right. Like a lot of people that I saw, well, that had saw or had saw seen, had seen. Mama, 
uh, they thought he directed it. Yeah. The same goes for movies that have been presented by uh, Quentin Tarantino or Eli Roth or things like that. Quentin Tarantino did Iron Monkey. Right, exactly. He, like people think like that. People think I don't, I don't, a lot of casual, you know, the everyday moviegoers, I don't think they look enough into it, but when they see that name and they know, oh, that's a director, it's like, that's their movie. And right. sometimes it hurts, I think. I mean, yeah, I think sometimes yeah. it will hurt a general, like, uh, opinion of, of a guy. You know, if somebody's like, oh, I loved... Uh, whatever, Inglorious Bastards, and Tarantino is on. What'd you just say? Which one? Iron Monkey. Iron and Monkey. A couple other ones. Whatever. Yeah, like a it's like, oh, he did that one too. That one sucked. Like, what's what's he got going on? Well, now? I think it's interesting because, yeah, I mean, I guess when I said it didn't really hurt his track record, I meant for me personally. But I think you have to see that sure, that perception absolutely. is out there precisely because that's the reason they put that person's name on the movie anyway. Yeah, because they Now, sometimes Del Toro's, like, supposedly with Mama, he really did have a hand in it. And I do think that even if they're hit or miss, (coughs) you can see why someone would maybe try to give the power to make a personal film to another director and just help guide them. But either way, I think that it's, yeah, it's it's almost like that's the gamble. If your name keeps going out there, it might really help the movie in a way. But if the movie is going to let people down, then it, you know, at some point... I do think that the average moviegoer just sees that name, yeah. and they do start to think, "Oh, that person sucks." And I think just to, to kind of, <laughs> to kind of uh, come full circle on that thought for me would be that you heard audiences groaning at the what was the movie where everyone was trapped in the elevator? I was in Devil. Devil, yeah. where, where it's like the name. It was story by M Night Shyamalan, which yep. was so good. I thought which, that movie was well. A lot of people seem to like that movie better than his most recent films. But Absolutely. it was interesting that a an audience full of people who you don't always think of as having that kind of industry knowledge or thinking about who directed this and and you know i always think of people following actors yeah like the general public follows an actor like, to a movie more so than a director but yeah. the audience full of people groaned and started jeering when his name came up on the screen it's, in the trailer for uh the devil i think that's what was it gr- called again i think it was devil devil yeah he's singular. been slandered a lot i was referring though, like, to the devil inside the nxs <laughs> song obviously. Yeah. But, but that's been like the subject of like Saturday night, Saturday night Live sketches mm-hmm. and Mad TV sketches. So I think it's like a running joke that people just hate him for for almost no reason. But that's well, he made several movies that no one really seemed to made, love in a row. He made some bad ones, but yeah. I mean, I I haven't seen a lot of his more recent movies, but I, I guess what I'm saying is I can see where the backlash against right, a director like that from, comes yeah. from. Yeah, because their biggest success is at the beginning of their career. Yeah, yeah that's and then so they, true. they keep sucks. getting to make movies and he kind of has gotten to the point now where you can see them almost downplaying his role in yeah. a movie um so <clears throat> Guillermo but, del Toro. yeah <clears throat> so I, I think why are you trying to be so subtle i don't know <clears throat> no that was weird i wasn't trying, no that was really of the devil <laughs> inside i think he's inside of ronald <laughs> so i think that every single one of us the <laughs> devil inside it's hard to when you first watch the movie you see all the like the flashiness of it but there is some serious artistry that went into it. Like as the color palette to the the sets are incredible. The story is really, I'd say, unconventional for a big movie. I'm so glad you liked it. I liked it, man. Ron Perlman. Yeah, surprise. great. Surprise. Two people from Sons of Anarchy in one movie mm-hmm. blew my mind. And they didn't even meet each other, which I thought was even cooler. <laughs> <laughs> so it was great. It was a great movie. When that comes out on Blu-ray... Is gonna be. That's gonna be the movie. That's gonna be the red box movie. That is gonna be the red box movie of the winter. I think that it's gonna be a, a movie that you want to watch with six, seven people. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, so. I mean, I I know that I will probably see it again, and I have a feeling my wife will like it, and I think that's always an excuse for me to watch a movie like that again, yeah. is to you know kind of show it to her. But, I mean, I I enjoyed it. 
I I was I still am a little mystified by how it completely missed the mark. But I think maybe yeah, it's man, just you know we were talking uh, Transformers. We were talking about the whole summer idea of all these crowded yeah. summers, all these movies coming out. I think sometimes movies just there's just too many movies for all of them to have the impact that they could. You know, like if there were fewer of those big tentpole movies, a movie like Pacific Rim probably would have been more noticed. People would have felt more starved for something of that scale. But mm-hmm. I think there were enough big movies that. Like you said, the fact that it looked vaguely familiar, even yeah. if when you see it, you it's got nothing in common really with the Transformers movie. But it wasn't presented like that. It was no, presented right. like Transformers, and people are really. I mean, not that people are dumb. People, it's it's very simple. Like a message is put in front of your face. People make a split decision about it, and it's presented like like the same movie that they've seen before, even if it's nothing like it. That's why that lady sued. Uh, Nicholas Ruffin Winding, whatever, for something Almost. looking like Fast and the Furious. Nicholas Winding Ruffin. <laughs> said the order of it terribly. But yeah, sued him because it looked like a Fast and the Furious movie. The trailer looked like it. it. If it looks like a dog, sounds like a dog, well, God damn it, it's a dog to people. You know what I mean? Like, it, p- even though people don't understand that you have, it's, it's presented a certain way so you can kind of go into it and... Yeah. Have an idea about it, and it's not that. And I knew that's what he did, but people aren't really into being hoodwinked. So I think it's like, I don't know. I wish people would have given it a chance. Because I loved it. I really did. The trailer turned me off so badly that I I outright refused. I may have refused on this podcast to watch it until it came out. You actually picked it as your top pick for the month. I did? That it came out in, yeah. (laughs) Never saw it. Never saw it. Until now. Until now, and I... I do. It was a pick. It was a good pick. <laughs> <laughs> I shit. I shit. You gotta say. I gotta, I gotta say. I'm, I was right with that one. <laughs> I was I right. Was right with that even one. when I completely forget what I said, <laughs> I'm, from I'm right. Yeah. Because I, th- I mean, after I kept seeing the trailers, I was like, no, this looks shitty. I do recall that you you picked it as though I <clears throat> you you didn't know what else to pick for that month, but it was like a it was a numbers game. Like yeah. you, you thought you would think <laughs> that it would be good. So that's... <laughs> Always, always bet on black. I'm pretty sure that Wesley Snipes said. Yeah. He did. He did say that in a totally different movie. Passenger 57? Passenger 57. I'm glad you recognize that line. Always bet always on black. Always bet on black. <laughs> That's that, a- was when, that was at the era. I, I'd be interested to know what year that came out because I feel like that was at the, that was at the time when... 92. Okay, yes. The peak of... You've got to have a uh, you've got to have a line. Do you have? It's got to be yeah. in the trailer. You know, you've right. got to have a line. It's got to be in the trailer. I feel like I feel like Arnold Schwarzenegger embraced that so much in the nineties. He had so many mm-hmm. lines like that. It just <sighs> made, made my heart warm. <laughs> yeah, but what did you see? Well, I've What'd seen a lot of movies that we might talk about a little bit later. But I saw a movie that I don't think that you've seen, but I know that Steve saw and he enjoyed quite a bit. And it's actually, we're, we're sort of overdue to get to it on this podcast because it's now, it's going into the dollar theaters now. I oh, oh, yeah? No, it's not really. Oh, okay. But, but uh, Prisoners. That hurt my heart for a second yeah, there. Yeah, no. I know you really, really loved Prisoners, Steve. I'll tell you, that's my favorite movie this year so far. Yeah. Really? And, that, and that, that being said, I've seen a few movies since I saw Prisoners that I also loved quite a bit. But uh... Even better than Don John? Oh yeah, yeah. I wasn't a huge fan of that. I know, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I had a lot of uh, it's the it's the perfect uh, pairing for me. Like you know, sometimes I'm a victim of my expectations, and uh, I had very high expectations picking this for my September film for the fall preview, 
And uh, I wasn't disappointed at all, to be honest. And I know we've talked about it a few times since we both saw it. Mm -hmm. And the more I think about it, the more I want to see it again. But yeah, I don't know. Just something about these kinds of movies, these thriller, mystery, dramas, Mm -hmm. very adult, even though the subject matter is very, it's like focused towards children. But uh, Clint Eastwood could have directed it, it looked like. It looked like that. I don't know. I think I think think his movies are. You know that movie he did? Was it Detective River? Mystic River. Was that his? Yes. I well, I mean, that's a that's about as tight as he gets. But I think Clint Eastwood makes good movies. But I think his movies have a sort of they don't they don't usually have a lot of visual style to them. They're usually mm-hmm. kind of uh, bare bones, and you know I don't see them as having a lot of. Do you think this one has a lot style? of kind of a yeah? This, this has this had a very strong. See, I, I, can't, I couldn't I couldn't tell from the trailer. It looked like it had like a grayish. Well, it does sort of darkish, have a grayish hue, but, it, but I mean that definitely like, is part of the the feel of this movie. Yeah. I, you know, it's the cinematographer is Roger Deakins, who shot a lot of the Coen Brothers films and oh, wow. shot the last James Bond, Bond film. film. So we wow. know that he's a guy with a real with like a very deliberate visual style. And I thought that what made Prisoners, I mean, the reason why Steve is probably mentioning it as maybe his favorite favorite movie of the year is that it takes that kind of subject matter. And I would say for most of the running time, it seems like a movie that's going to take that kind of subject matter, that potboiler, thriller mm-hmm. type of story, and elevate it. Yeah. And for most of its running time, it does. I don't think it's a perfect film, but I think that, that in general, it kept me interested. And I've actually heard two critics that I like... Like when I saw this movie, I wrote down something that I wanted to say on this podcast. And since then, I've, I've heard two other critics say this exact same thing about it, which is that it's, it's because it's a long movie. It's like two and a half hours. You know how you sometimes plot out, you think you might need to piss during a mm-hmm. movie. And you kind of plot out when you might do it, when, when it looks like it might be a boring scene or when you feel like you can detach from the yeah. film. Yeah. There was no point. It's, it's not like it's a fast-paced movie, but watching it, I didn't want to miss a single nuance. And I kind of knew, like, well, I, you know, I, would go, I was going to see a matinee, and I'd had a lot of coffee that morning. Mm-hmm. And I even had a little bit of water right before going into the movie. So I just knew that you know, there was going to be hell to pay, bladder-wise. <laughs> yeah. And it didn't happen, but I was almost nervous the whole movie, thinking, like, oh, I don't want to leave. I don't want to miss anything. And I, it was oh. so interesting to me that not only did I feel that way, but that I heard two other people say the exact same thing. That that runtime kind of scared me. And then when I was watching the movie, I, I it's not like it felt shorter than it was. It just felt like a movie that was kind of exactly what it was trying to be. And I think it's really rare to see a movie that succeeds in that way. That it, you don't get bored when you're watching yeah. it, and yet you do you do feel like... It's not. It's taking its time, and I never felt like it's moving slow. But I did feel that it was letting scenes breathe, and there would be moments where you would just be watching someone, and you'd be trying to figure out what they were doing, and uh, some great performances. I mean, I think Hugh Jackman eats the scenery in every scene that he's in in this. But uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, I don't know that I've ever uh, admired him quite as much as in this movie. He was just great, and there was something about it. I can't put my finger on exactly what he does, but there's something about his character that feels like a fully formed, flesh and blood person with quirks and and, in their own kind of angle and they're in this world and again what could be a very anonymous by the numbers kind of catch the bad guys thriller it felt like it was something else there was something special about it you know Hmm. do you know what i mean steve yeah i I can't put my finger on what was so great about him either but i do agree um it just this was like this the whole film just had this like kind of almost overbearing but just it just kind of pumped it just enough at the right moments like of dread through the whole movie it was so relentless in not just the, okay so you're talking about a movie that is about children being kidnapped so that's enough right there which knowing that from the trailers yeah the first 15 minutes 20 minutes however long it takes for this to occur yeah. it's incredibly like 
tension. It's like the yeah, most tense. You're waiting I mean, for you it. You can't really enjoy it. Mm. Yeah. Like the, all, all the family's having fun and it's Thanksgiving and they're going and there's kids leaving the house and going for walks. And it felt very like that's the type of day you have when families are getting together. Can we go over to so-and-so's house? Can we run do this? And then sooner or later, has anyone seen these two kids for a little while? You know, and then mm. it just starts to get bleaker and bleaker. Can I ask you a question? No. Terrence Howard. No, I don't know. I, I no questions. Terrence Howard. No, no questions. <laughs> Over or underacted in this movie, or or was it good? Or was I, it great? I, I thought because I think he's. I, he I think he was really good in a lot. I of thought stuff. he was used enough. Like not okay. I don't think it was over by any. Means. I want I want him to succeed, and I think that he needs more things he's, like this. He's not enough of a main character to yes. really to to if if he had been overacting, he probably still wouldn't have ruined the movie. But I think that his performance is, in many ways, like the conscience of the film. Like yes. you, you you feel you feel like him in a way. Yeah, he he he's basically our like your mouthpiece in this film, mm. or at least yeah, it's how I felt and sounds like you did as well. But what I was getting at before was just that I feel like, you know, beyond what you know going in from the trailers about the whole child, the children being abducted and, and kidnapped, that's enough to make you feel uncomfortable for this film throughout the whole movie. I mean, I think there's enough just with that subject matter through the whole movie to keep you into it. But then there's so many other things that begin to happen that slowly get peeled away that are related to and not related to these kids being abducted, mm. both in character development and actual like situational like crimes that this detective is beginning to investigate. Mm. You know the characters like Hugh Jackman's character and uh, and Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, Keller Dover, awesome name by the way. Hugh Jackman's character name is Keller Dover, <laughs> and and Detective Loki is uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, there's enough going on with just those two guys to make me. I'd watch a movie just about them as people. Like, there's a lot of backstory you sort you slowly chip away at, like with Hugh Jackman's family and, and and the Dover family and like why they are where they are and how they react to certain situations as the film gets further along. Mm. And and even and even the detective, like, there's enough little things that you get dropped throughout the film, like promises that he makes to the mother because of his history of his his detective work, you know, and having never not closed a case and like the assurances that she initially feels from that and and how that slowly deteriorates after the hours add up and they have this window, you know, with children you know, child abductions, like where they work on this very short timetable. And when it starts to get past that expire that expired point, it just it's really interesting to see how everything just like turns, you know, and, and how people just start acting differently. And especially Hugh Jackman's character, I think uh I think he would probably I could definitely see this film if it can hold on possibly being mentioned around awards time. I mean, depending what else comes out this year, but as a film itself, but I, I would probably say Hugh Jackman as would be a lead actor in this film and, and Jake Gyllenhaal would probably be a supporting actor, but there are scenes with Hugh Jack. I, mean, I love Hugh Jackman. Don't get me wrong. I mean, but this was like an experience for me seeing him like just tear it up. Like I can only imagine if I had a child and how I would feel. I'm sure John, you're sitting in there. Like just the, the thought of it probably makes you. Oh sick. yeah. I mean, it's, it, you have to almost get over, there's a lot of <clears throat> a lot of times watching movies where you almost have to if you're curious about film, you have to sort of hang your soul on a coat yes. hanger in order to enjoy it. And sometimes that can mean watching really extreme content, and other times it can mean just strapping in for an experience that you know is going to come back to haunt you. Yeah. And and yeah, this movie. No, I mean, knowing obviously, like I said from the trailer, what happens in it, you come into this kind of movie just going, okay, I'm I am not going to enjoy this, you know. And I would say maybe to the testament of all the craft we've been talking about, it is an. I mean, again, enjoyable. 
is yeah. kind of a funny thing Weird. to say. We talked about it with Breaking Bad a little bit, how it was always an entertaining show, even when it was depicting the worst possible things happening. I think this movie hits that spot. It's not quite as like perfectly crafted as like Silence of the Lambs, but it's in that kind of neighborhood where yeah. it it it's it's more interesting than just the whodunit part of the plot because it seems like it's 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 hinting at other things. It's got other themes going on in it, you know. And mm. the fact that like you have a sort of deeply Christian man who, who Hugh Jackman plays who's being driven to these you know, these extreme thoughts and decisions. And then you have a, I mean, I don't think it's any coincidence that the, that the detective who's trying to go about things in a more orthodox way, that his name Loki is, is indicative of like an older mythology with a different uh, set of stakes and different philosophies behind it. I mean, this movie definitely has those those types of things on its mind. I don't know that it ever makes it part of the text of the film. Like you never feel like you're watching a movie that's about themes. It's about the characters, but it, it has enough on its mind. And what you were saying, Steve, something that struck me was that, there's not really a wasted detail. You talk about the past of these characters that comes out. We get, you know, you know when, in a movie we generally know when someone mentions, oh, well, your father, da-da-da-da, you kind of go, oh, make a note. They mentioned the guy's father. Right. That may not come back up, but usually it builds, and this movie definitely has these histories, and you can see how the two histories of the two men are pushing them to do things the way that they're doing, and and you sort of see how they're not going to meet in the middle because you know that they're both so driven by by what's inside of them. It's just, it's... It's an interesting film, and like it makes it to the point where whenever those two characters get a scene together, it's electric. You know, whenever oh, Keller man. Dover and and Detective Loki are together, it just starts to become this. It's not like cat and mouse because again, they kind of both want the same thing, but they're going about it differently. And you know, and caught in the middle is poor Paul Dano, who <laughs> constant victim, constantly I, creeper I think, extraordinaire. Yeah, creeper extraordinaire, and <laughs> no one looks better with like modeled bruising makeup around his mouth and his, his eyes and he's really you know. good at being creepy but i mean and he spends half of this movie in you know in you know in a situation where the, <laughs> it's in the trailer it's in the trailer but i will say that it gets even more extreme in like half of this movie basically acting with just his his face and then is eventually with just his eye and i won't explain anything beyond oh, that God. But, but I mean, that's really cool, though. When, like to be able, when I think about what you just said, it's like the the amount of what we see of his character physically mm-hmm. shrinks as like Keller's intensity grows. Yeah, you know, like as he gets more and more desperate, we are we are unable to see as much of this character, and, and you're left to more so imagine how bad he looks at this point beyond him looking through, you know, like a peephole, and all you see is his eye. Because mm-hmm. at that point in the film. He he's not in good shape. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, and you only can imagine how bad he looks. Right. But on the outside, you see Keller, and he's just like he's so desperate, and yeah. he's so violent, and he. I mean, it's just and and his and his scenes when he just you can see like that. We talked about that that scene with the hammer. Yeah. You just don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. There's yeah. like five things he could do, and as he brings his arm down, I don't know which one is which one it is. And when it happens, the action itself is scaring enough to me, but just the, the noise and the sound and the emotion in that scene, even even Terrence Howard, you see it on him, like he doesn't know yeah. what's going to happen. Oh, no, his... He, and, I yeah. mean, that, they play that scene so well. I mean, that is like a pure, edgier scene. And it's not even like a huge scene in the movie, but that's just a, a that just kind of puts it in perspective, like the really big scenes are even bigger than that. And that's just a scene when he's trying to get information. Mm. I mean, it's I, I absolutely love this film. Like you said, it's weird to say you love a movie like this, but it is super entertaining, and it is. I think it is in that 
that Silence of the Lambs, yeah. like seven-ish kind of realm. I mean, I love Zodiac, and the, the, me, Zodiac the energy well. and pacing of this movie reminded me Absolutely. a lot of Zodiac. Absolutely. It, it's almost like Zodiac if it had an ending. And I will say that if the movie, it, it never really stumbles for me, but there were a few things as it gets towards its ending, it, it has to run through some stuff that feels a little bit pulpier, a little bit more like a familiar kind of twisty thriller. But the scene that it ultimately leads to is a, an, an action scene uh, of such impact that I mean, you talk about sitting at the edge of your seat. It was I mean, you know, you're gonna grip, you're gonna grip your seat if you're watching this movie in the theater. And it gets to this point at the end. There's this, there's a scene with Jake Gyllenhaal's character and something he has to do, and it's just it's just beyond intense. And I think that for me, those moments were so potent that I was able to forgive some of the. I mean, this guy's supposed to be a brilliant detective, and there's a few details oh, yeah. that he misses that I caught. And I know that that's unfair. Sometimes you're watching a movie. Yeah, it's like you're. But but he's a detective, and he's right there seeing what we're seeing. And theoretically, he should be making the same connections. It just felt a little convenient that he he has a realization late in the film that he should have or could have, or if you know if he was me, <laughs> would have. <laughs> if had. we could only all if be. If only you, it John. was Detective John Walker going into that <laughs> situation. But I mean, it doesn't it didn't overall it didn't like hobble the film for me. But I, it did. It did keep it from being like a, a piece of perfection. But I mean, that's a, you know, I feel like this, there's another movie we're going to talk about in a minute where if there's anything to nitpick about it, it's in that same zone of I, yeah. I pretty much loved this movie. Now that we can all agree this is great, let's talk about the nuts and right. bolts of it. I think with Prisoners, the, my first statement would be, yeah, go see it. If I mean, if you, a lot of people might find it too melodramatic. I could see people thinking that like Hugh Jackman's character is over the top. Mm-hmm. A lot of people want to see something a little subtler. This movie's not subtle in that way, but I think it's subtle in other ways. And it was subtle enough to me that you know uh, the mystery of what was going to happen was strong enough to pull me through. And then the mood and the atmosphere was 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 just really powerful. And I, I can't again. I keep coming back to it, but that character, Detective Loki, there was just something amazing to watch about that character. You know, it's something. It's something about watching a character who's thinking, and you're watching him sit there or drive around, or you're watching them. He's not talking a lot. But you can tell that his wheels are turning. Yeah. And I think he's some... got that constant, like he has like a little tick in his eye, yeah. like where he's like kind of winking sometimes. Almost a little smirk too. Yeah, like... yeah, and it's like not you can tell he is always he does have that he does give off that vibe that he is always thinking, which yeah. is really impressive. And as a cop, he uses a sort of disarming kind of grin. It's like there's moments where you know he's playing a yeah. A, he seems to maybe enjoy the hunt a little bit. And B, he's a guy who uses his sort of calm demeanor to put people at ease. And you can see how that would work. You know, oftentimes you see an actor like him play a a cop who always brings in his man. And it's a little hard to believe. But I believed this character, even though he is kind of, you know, he was kind of cute for a a tough cop. It was still like, it was still a believable character. And I would say as, as great as Hugh Jackman is in this film, I much more came away with the impression of just Jake Gyllenhaal, like came up in my estimation based on this movie. You yeah, well, end of watch too, right? Well, no, I like him. I just yeah, had never seen him, that, but I didn't see that movie actually. So You still haven't see, seen it? See, it's another one of those movies that Holy you're going to say that. Holy shit. Oh, it won't qualify though because it'll be like, I'll say it's going to be like The Gray last year yeah. where he didn't see it until like the week of and it was his number one. Oh, there's there's yeah. a few movies I'm saving. But it won't, it won't, it just won't rolls it up. I'm saving, I'm saving a few movies for like the last week of the year just to see if they're, <laughs> they get the inside track. But no, I, you know, I, Definitely, you should see it, Ronald. And maybe who knows? Maybe once you've seen it, we'll have a we'll have a, a fifteen minute spoiler conversation about it or something. Okay. Because I do think that the there is something to be said about the 
the climax and the twist of this film. And also the way, the other thing I would say, Stephen, I know we, we talked about this and you agreed, it knows knows how to end like a motherfucker. It's one oh of those movies God. that picks the exact right second for the screen to go to black. And I've come to really appreciate that when I'm watching a film. Like You were going to fucking love this movie. I'm going to call it right now. I've <laughs> you, never been more confident. You know me when it comes to certain types this of movies. This kind of movie right? will, will rock you. I can okay. just, I know it's going to. You have to see this movie. It's, it already, I, I can already tell that the emotion of it is going to mess with me. I, I'm really easily swayed by like, there's a lot well. of scenes in it that make, that made me very uncomfortable too. Like, not even scenes where anything truly happens in terms of like what ends the film, mm-hmm. but just like scenes of little pieces of information you're finding out about characters or like really quick scenes, like with uh with Paul Dano's character that, you know, in a moment gave me like cold chills watching it because it just happens so quick mm-hmm. and it takes you off guard and you're kind of disarmed at times because you don't know which way you should really think about something. And then it's just like, oh, that's what I need to think. Like, that's fucked up, which is happening. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you're like, and you know, it's those moments, but. I yeah, I've seen some really good movies since I saw Prisoners, but still, I think I'm gonna thus see far, this is my favorite movie of the year. I'm gonna see it this weekend. Yeah, yeah. So, following Prisoners, another film that we actually all have seen. Yes. Yep. We Look have. at that, guys. We all saw a movie. Yep. This is great. And I think we're all pretty much of the opinion that this is a, a great film, right? I mean, we're yeah, it's okay. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's pretty. It's pretty great. Yeah. We're talking about say it, Ronald. Gravity. 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 <laughs> How do you pronounce this director's name? Alfonso Cuaron. There okay. you go. Right, or Cuaron. So I don't know. But he Cuaron. directed. Sonic... I said it with such confidence, and then I backpedaled. <laughs> Alfonso Cuaron. Oh, okay. He directed one of or Cuaron. I don't. I still don't know which one. One of my favorite movies <laughs> of all time, uh, Children of Men. Yes. Sonically, so I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that. Might be your most mentioned film on this so, podcast. It sonically one of the most amazing. It's it really, really, really gave a sort of environmental sort of accuracy where you could hear something from yards away that you wouldn't see you would hear it and mm-hmm. and it, it, it I've never seen a movie that made me feel so many emotions just off the sound just off the random sounds no soundtrack at some of the parts just the sounds mm-hmm. and and this was no different I, I there's something about love for film when you see a movie you realize that somebody loves their craft when you watch this movie and yeah it's like making a decision that pushing the craft forward is like essential to what they want to show people Mm -hmm. you know like he's not looking at what's available or what's been done and going oh i can do that and i can tell this story he's saying in order to achieve what i want to what i want to show the audience I have to develop a new way of making a movie. Yeah. You know, like these, every, like every sequence, every shot, which really every shot in Gravity is a sequence pretty much. I mean, or at least there's several shots that are multi, you know, uh, like 15 minutes. I don't know how many there the are. The first one was the... I know, like 17 minutes 17 or something. Yeah, it's a straight... But all those beauty. long takes, and you know that it's... The movie's more or less constructed inside a computer, so it's not hard to imagine how some of those edits might have been, you know, glossed over in the creation of that shot. But still, the visual ingenuity that it took to take some of those shots where you're you're going around from the widest possible view of Earth, and then you're ending up in like someone's uh, point of view, yeah, and then coming out of their point of view and going back into that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the so those camera moves. 
And when, uh, what's real is mostly just the face of the actor, and everything else I, around it is like digitally created. To me, that it, is so. That really hit me pretty hard that it didn't look like it was just green screened over yeah. the. That shook me up a little bit because yeah. the the seventeen minute beginning shot that that doesn't seem there were no cuts in it. it didn't seem like right it was just like I, I think that might actually be a a camera move that they digitally painted <laughs> things in but what i'm saying yeah, is that yeah. they, they could easily have used their technique to composite yeah. several different shots into oh, that yeah. but i from what i understand a lot of those long takes are really you know george clooney sandra bullock in a set that's a, basically a big green screen room yeah, with yeah. these camera rigs whirring around them and so with those shots where the camera gets right up to their face it means that camera is like swinging across this giant room on like a crane and stopping <laughs> six inches from an actor's face. So imagine if it's, you know, if they missed the mark on that and then they just face. crushed George Clooney's skull. <laughs> yeah. Um, so no, I think that that part of it, the technology part, it's easy to almost, it's like it's the same conversation is kind of what I'm saying. I think it's interesting that it's a movie that in order to talk about the craft of it, you're as liable to talk about the technology as you are to talk about anything mm-hmm. else. And yet it's not like... You know, say what you will about someone like James Cameron. I've never been a huge fan of his films. I've always found the sort of, we've pushed the technology further than it's ever been, that type of conversation. That's not what draws me into a movie. But I do find it fascinating, these directors who, who uh, you know, have to develop a new lens or figure out a new camera rig or develop a, a whole new camera in order to in order to visualize what they have decided they can show people. It's like bringing the technology forward. It's it's pretty amazing, the the accomplishment of this film in that sense. Yeah. It, man, movies like that. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Steve. No, I actually, books. I was gonna say, I, I'm, I'm really just. Uh, when I left the theater after, I, and I, I did not see it in IMAX. I saw it in 3D, but not in IMAX. What did oh, you see it in? Rome? IMAX 3D. At like White Marsh, though, or yeah. so the so the fake IMAX, like the the, the main, yeah. yeah. But but it's still a 55 foot screen. It's still big. I, I saw it in IMAX 3D at White Marsh. Yeah. Too. Even even without it though, I think the experience of the 3D was one of the best that I've had yeah. with the yeah. technology. Hands down. And I'm not a fan of the 3D. Like there's like I, I always mention like two or three movies if ever that I've really liked in 3D. And uh, this definitely joins the list. But yeah, I left the movie just kind of speechless in a lot of ways. Like that was my initial yeah. that was my initial reaction. I went. I feel like I experienced so many different emotions watching the film and. Uh, the technology, like you were just talking about, I don't, I don't even understand. I, it's just magic to me at this point. Yeah, like it felt like magic watching this movie. Yeah, like the idea of if you didn't tell somebody outside of their faces, everything else was was oh, yeah. digitally rendered. You, I mean, some of the shots are so amazing. Like it looks, it looks like somehow they got up there and shot this fucking movie. Yeah, it does. And and it's just amazing to me. And like I love, I love the way. Like very, very slight things, like how when in that opening shot when it was coming around, it would pick up the little things like in their conversations, like the music in the background, or when he started telling a story, somebody's voice would go down and other one would come up yeah. because of the way the camera was moving away from them. Um, little things like that, you just like Rana was saying, like you really, really can't deny like a true, not even just skill, because there's no question that this director has skill. It's just like. The attention to detail like that, like there's a movie that took over five years to get made. Mm-hmm. I mean, had big name actors dropping in, yeah, and out in of and it. out. Like it, it just, it's amazing to me that it, you know, to see it on the screen and to experience it, and like to say that I don't think there was really much wrong with this movie. Um, I mean, a couple of little things that I feel like we can discuss. We'll probably will discuss, but yeah. overall, um, a few things like some of the people that I saw with, they weren't really loving the whole like. I guess the single person type of film and mm-hmm. you know how everything that she kept doing was not working and like it was like not a whole lot of hope 
or positivity happening to push her along. But but, that, but yeah, but but I didn't feel like that, that would have. I felt like if it had been anything but that, I would not. I would have had a problem with that, because I would feel like that. That's odd that that worked in her favor right away. You know, it's almost like when you're out there and you have no, you have little to no chance of survival, like in the situations that this character goes through. And the fact that she even has a chance doesn't mean to me that that chance should pan out. And the fact that there's a couple of them that happen and it doesn't work, that just felt right. Like, I don't know that I would feel okay if it was like, she made it to the first thing, went home, and, you know, all is good. You mm-hmm. know, I feel like it, it yeah. builds attention because this is, a, this is a character, you know, in this world that this was like her first mission, you know. And to be thrown into a situation like that, I almost don't want her to relax when she gets that first opportunity because I feel like that would not make it right for me. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if it was like, oh, man, it went bad, but then I was saved. You know, it's like that can't happen. It's got to be bad. Like, I got to experience the worst possible situation yeah. that could happen to a person in space for the first time. That gets a little bit into some of the stuff about it that could be seen as a little schmaltzy. I mean, the fact that it is the first time and that she's like the rookie. I mean, sure. all these things and that she's got like a, a, a sad backstory that leads. All those things are things. And I'm and what <clears throat> I'm not I'm not necessarily criticizing the movie based on those things. Mm-hmm. I'm saying those were the weakest parts of the movie sure. for me. And I don't think the movie needed them. I mean, you know, several people have compared it to a ride. I think the word experience definitely describes it. But I know when I was walking around running errands after I'd seen the movie that day, I was feeling a little strange. Like, yeah. I was a little bit, like, I was, like, <laughs> nervous and, like, yeah. kind of looking around and almost like, when is this all, when am I going to wake up and find myself out in some void and have to f- fight for my life like that? Like, yeah. I liked that it was about survival, survival, survival. But I don't know that I, I mean, I would have even, I would have been fine with it being even more stripped down and minimal and probably less marketable. But what do you guys think of that aspect of it, the marketability? Do you think... Because every name that was attached to this movie was like Kate Blanchett, uh, uh, Angelina Jolie was attached, Robert Downey really Jr. was it. attached. All those actors, though, are so big, it made me realize that part of... Do you think this movie needed actors of that stature to get made? Do you, you know what I mean? For, for this for much money to get push? and to get this kind of a big response? Or do you think that was just a calculated thing to say for this type of movie? If you're going to have two characters, basically, and you're going to have this big adventure, you need marquee, you need faces yeah. that can stand up to the scope you almost need big stars for a movie like if, this. If as fun as it would have been to see unknowns, I think it, it yeah. almost needed names. I agree. It needed yeah. names. If they, if they, if it was somebody more. lesser than George Clooney and lesser, it wouldn't have worked. I mean, who other than George Clooney could have done that? Like that was George Clooney seems to have been invented to play a yeah. veteran astronaut to me. He was. He was. And I love the way his character. He first it seems Maybe like Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. I was probably. thinking Tom Hanks, but yeah. Tom Hanks. But I mean that—that's that—that actor. That—that's that—that yeah. that marquee name. Like who could do that character who keeps you talking and yeah. keeps you at ease that way? Because at the very beginning, Calms I thought down. I thought this guy's kind of corny, <clears> and I felt. But then as I, as the movie went on, I realized well, no, he seems like he's being corny, but really he's keeping everybody yeah. feeling like this is what's going on. And then when it was time to say no, that's an order. I mean, you saw a different side of that character where yeah. he was like telling her not just a second. You know, it was. I mean, like he was great. But I expected him to be great. She actually surprised me with what she was able to pull out. I, I knew just through watching Children of Men and just some of the themes from that movie that this was going to have. I don't know, man. I'm not super duper spiritual in any way, shape, or form. But I think there's something to be said about sort of just how it, it is. I think everybody has a point in their life, lives that just gets really heavy, nonstop constant constant seems like when it rains it pours things are crashing down around you and this movie was sort of uh, a a testament even even in the the most uh, 
insane of circumstances that good things can come out of it and you can develop an outlook <clears throat> from the pain, from the suffering that'll make you a stronger person. It's a rough life sometimes. There are things that happen. And it, and it was one of those things that I wasn't expecting to come out of it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and sometimes... And sometimes I, you kind of think about, uh, I don't even know what to call it, sort of like the like the flower grows, the kid grabs a flower, the kid gets hit by the car, the person sees the death, the person has a terrible day. All that like cascading sort of be- terrible things that happen mm-hmm. that create this sort I of... I want to see this movie about the kid grabbing the flower. <laughs> <laughs> this sort of deep understanding about how the world works. I mean, it's almost in real time, right? I mean, that's the other yeah, thing that's astounding it's about time, it. It's yeah. a short movie. And it's, it con- compresses time a little bit, but you really do feel like from the moment things go to go south to the end, it's a few hours yeah. in this character's life. And yeah, you're seeing it just get... It's crazy. In never the, a moment to stop. In the, in the I'm a big fan of like the environment being the character too like yes. the the, the sure. enemy it could be your enemy your friend it can be your place's solace it could be all these things all at once and it's it's really scary how the world is like the world is just that it mm-hmm. can be the most beautiful thing one day and then you see something horrific do you know what was really crazy to me man mm-hmm. the way that the i mean they showed it in the preview so i guess we can kind of the debris and how it would escalate. So it's like, and then then get out of the way. (laughs) By that point, you can't really do anything. You can't do anything. And that's, and that's sort of how chaos is. Like you have to, you got to hold on to something because it's going to hit you regardless. It's Mm -hmm. really deep. It's a fucking super deep movie. And I didn't, I I wasn't expecting it to be that heavy on me. Mm-hmm. But that's maybe that's what it what's so amazing about it. I thought it could have been about aliens. I was like, is there going to be an alien? Well, I mean, you, in this? You, it it was enough of a mystery where it was going to go. I had heard, I think, by the time I saw it, that it that it was a very simple story. Right. And so I thought, okay, so I don't think we're going to get into anything crazy like that. But still, in the back of my mind, I was like, how how close to that are we going to get? But yeah. you were talking about that environment being a character, and I mean, I don't know that I've ever felt it projected onto me that strongly this thing i've always known which is that there's just something terrifying about the vastness of space (laughs) something and of being and the fact that earth is like the source of light in this movie that they're in the orbit of earth and it's like the earth is like shining you know that when on the side that's closest to the earth everything's lit and then everything outside of that it's like complete blackness like no light and you know that little text that comes up at the beginning the you know, kind of almost like in space, no one can hear you scream, but what does it say? That uh, nothing can survive, no life can survive in space or something like that. It just, you feel that they're, what stands between them and just the void is so fragile, like these little spacesuits, you know? And I'm surprised we didn't have a ripped spacesuit at some point because that was the one thing I kept expecting to happen to her. But no, all that stuff with, you know, having to depressurize and repressurize and get onto the space stations. I, I know that the movie is not, totally strict and fair with the science but it did enough of a job of being kind of realistic and believable that you did sort of feel that kind of what you said steve that that so they just got they just figured out a way to get some people in outer space right that's there's no other explanation for how it looked as as just beautiful and believable as it did and you know in that sense i don't again it's not normally the technology that you come out of a movie like this marveling at but i did feel like the techniques behind telling stories were, were being pushed forward in a very purposeful way by by uh, Quaron in this in this instance. 
Space. And again, even if I felt like the script wasn't up to the vision, I think that it didn't didn't ruin it for me. It was only it was only days later when I was thinking about the movie that I realized some of the stuff was a little bit, you know, a little bit ham-fisted. Like I think that some of the oh, stuff yeah. about her backstory, the way it came out, it was like a giving I again, like I don't know if I needed a reason to believe this character is kind of deciding whether she's going to keep fighting or whether she's going to just die. Yeah. But the fact that she does she never gives up. I mean, the movie her backstory does give her character an arc to say that she's going to decide she's got something to live for. Yeah. But again, I don't think I needed that as much as I just was enjoying that journey of is she going to survive? And then talk about ending at the right point. The last image of this movie is just like like it leaves you with a whole set of new questions about what's she going to do now. <laughs> yeah. But it does kind of tell the story of like what what happens as a result of this this initial problem that occurs at the beginning, which which is the result of what the Russians having like a, a semi-controlled yeah. demolition of one of their satellites, but the debris is, you know, showering through space. Why does it happen that day? Like, it's like, did they have no knowledge of that? Things get serious very quickly when they discover that that <laughs> oh, has happened. Yes. Very serious. I, I almost, I didn't have any issue with, like, I don't think it, the script, like, really got to me at all or bothered mm-hmm. me. I felt like going into it, I knew that the visual piece would be like the magic to me mm-hmm. and i almost felt like the the emotional like the the human element of like basically as a as a supporting character for space yeah i think that allowed me and you know i feel like most moviegoers that are reacting to this film um i kind of at a moment i needed that human element to latch on to like in some of the some of the backstory with with uh with what's her name ryan ryan stone yeah. yeah ryan stone with her character um with the backstory with her daughter um because i think what i was saying earlier like where nothing is working i mean i feel like you learn about this character where nothing really is working besides a career on earth or you know at home either mm-hmm. you know like when when he asked her what she does like she listens to the radio because that's what she was doing you know like mm-hmm. she doesn't really she doesn't really seem like a person that relates to anything anymore because she just seems so empty much like space is empty you know and i think there's a lot of correlations like that i drew between her character and this vastness that she's stuck in and i I don't know i kind of like that stuff i kind of like the moment where you know the emotional tug of the film like i I don't know i don't want to talk about the scene too in depth but there's a moment where like she really you kind of have that moment where she decides what's going to happen you know Mm -hmm. where this whole journey of like, she basically didn't catch a breath really, and uh, you know she has to decide what she's going to do, and she goes, you know, and she makes her decision, and she and there's a there's a bit of dialogue that I thought was really kind of like a heart, it pulls at your heartstrings, and I mean I think it's meant to, because this whole time there really hasn't been an emotional like connection to that character at all, except for just wondering if she's going to survive. Yeah, and that's not, I mean. I don't know. For me, I don't know. I feel like that's not re- not just enough for me. Like yeah. I, I would love to see the visual experience that this movie is, but I mean, it really is a challenge for every sense of your body to watch this movie. And it's in at times I almost felt like it was kind of like a ballet. Yeah. You know the way the camera moves and whatnot, but bringing it in that human piece. Um, well, see, I guess what I'm saying is I felt like it didn't need the backstory to provide that human piece. I was getting that human piece just from the just from the struggle and just from the fact that she was not comfortable in this situation that to me it felt like again it felt like gilding the lily a little not like anything that felt like it ruined the movie right, but it right. just was something that kept it in my mind from being perfect 
was was that it felt like it was playing to those kind of again you know sort of the way the score kicks in in some points at some points the score is really weird and atmospheric and just makes you feel more intense and there's a few points where the score is kind of just a little sappier than the than like the the artistry of this movie would suggest but that's i mean again i'm talking about a movie that i thought was great and then as i thought about it i realized <laughs> oh these are some things that could be better you know right. so that it's not it's not anything that really affects you know, you would definitely recommend that anybody who has any interest in film go yeah. see this movie, you know, and, and form your own opinion about it. But but I think it was all very, like what you're talking about was stuff that to me feels like the movie hedging its bets saying, okay, to, to keep people interested, That's it. we're going to need to provide them with this emotional through line, which again, doesn't go, doesn't go against what the movie's trying to do. It just felt like an extra thing that 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 I didn't feel like the movie needed and that actually did hurt it a little bit in my mind but not the experience of watching it I think your suggestion for anybody that loves film to see the movie yeah I think that's like not enough for a studio to say this is going to be our movie this year yeah I think that's why like you kind of just said like it, it I think it needs to have that that other you know human piece like that extra bit at the you know with her character to yeah, that, yeah, that might be someone's favorite it, part for all I know. Yeah, yeah, you know? no, I, and I think it is. A lot of people, like a lot of people that I saw it with, like that was the part they were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think to make it the experience that it is and to make it like a sensation, I mean, it broke an October box office record. Absolutely. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be, a, it's going to get nominated for Best Picture. It's going to be one of the top contenders at the awards series, at the awards show this year. There's no doubt, no matter what else comes out. I mean, there's no way this movie does not get nominated for a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but for it to be this studio's movie, it's got to be that thing that catches. It's got to have the word of mouth. It's got to go beyond what we all already expected from a director like Alfonso Cuaron, it's, it's got to be more than just visually stunning. And I, I, I'm totally agreeing with what you're saying, but I, I, I responded, I think, on two different, you know, visually as a film, you know, a, a film lover, and then also just as a, a moviegoer sitting in a seat watching a movie about a woman in space. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like that human thing took it next level for like a general audience. Yeah. And I think that's what, and I think honestly, I think that's what is going to provide like the word of mouth. Well, that might be that that why. I mean, it's, it goes back to what I was saying maybe about why this movie needed big stars is that for this type of movie to be yeah. really, I mean, a movie that you want a lot of people to see. And so whatever gets people in Absolutely. the door, I'm, that's kind of what I'm saying is whatever gets people in the door, I'm fine with. I, you know, it's something I also was thinking about like when we were talking, or I mentioned earlier about like, I guess some of the issue that people might have with like everything going wrong or like it feel like every time it was like running out of something. Yeah. I felt like that was awesome though the way they handled it. Like I felt like they constantly, constantly like referring to like her oxygen levels and like how she really couldn't ever take a breath. Yeah, you know because of literally not having the air to do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right from the beginning she's yeah. yes she's at her like hyperventilating yeah. and she's running out of oxygen. Yeah, you, you know? and, and that's while she's in the zone doing what she's there to be doing. Mm-hmm. You know she's hyperventilating and they're detecting these things, and and she's like no I'm okay but and that's like her in her 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 sweet spot. And then from that point out, it's like she's completely out of her element, literally in every sense of the word. And and why would you expect anybody to be able to catch your breath in that situation? Mm-hmm. But when you have the literal, you know, arm check, oh, I have six percent oxygen, I have two percent how can you ever take a breath? You yeah. have to literally yeah. hedge your bets against against like ever really taking a deep breath, because it might be, you know, not to sound cheesy, but it might be the last breath, you know? Right. And there's a lot of play on that in the film, and I think like that plays so well into the moments where you think that she's going to get that moment to breathe, 
but you know and then off it goes and she's still trying mm-hmm. I, th- I thought that was awesome and that parallel was was really well, yeah. cool to experience and again if it was a three hour movie I think that would have been too yeah. much yeah yeah or even if the story that we saw was stretched out over three hours it might have been too much but the fact that it's like that it's this ambitious and this artistic and visually stimulating but it's also like a short movie that just doesn't happen that often that a movie yeah. like lets you off that easy you know what i mean that yeah. it's like they're trying but but when you talk about this kind of escalating uh, just problem after problem it makes sense that it's got to be sort of a tight narrative because you're right it, you know it's a little bit different each time but it's a constant <clears> thing <throat> for like okay now you need oxygen well now this isn't going to work you got to go find this and we they yeah. did set up in the beginning you know we knew about these different space stations and we knew there was a little hope here and a little hope there and it yeah she also wasn't feeling well which no right well, she was, was nauseous right from the beginning. crazy yeah. i really like the 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 whole idea that in the beginning they're like you know just to let you know Something's happening with the Russian side. Like, don't worry about it. It's yeah. not a big deal. And then it becomes a huge deal a couple of minutes later. It's like the escalate. That's that is representative of the escalation that continued and continued. Got bigger. Stakes got bigger. The scares got big. I've I've never been so panicked about something. Yeah, I was definitely. There was a the, sense we, of urgency, like the yeah. entire. It's just, it, it feels like a sprint. Mm-hmm. Like you cannot. It, it, it's not letting up intentionally. Did you do your did you do line. did you do your like trademark Steve setup thing? Oh dude. I love that. I love oh, it. He really gets the it. The entire to a time. Everybody in the row is like looking over me like giggling. For all the listeners that that don't know, Steve when Steve gets really into a movie, he kinda leans forward <laughs> in this intense gaze into the screen. And like, my right hand goes on my <laughs> like on my chin covering my mouth, like yeah. my eyes squint a little bit. I, w- I gotta I get that same. much closer to the action, you know. I did the same thing. No, I was, do it too, and I think that you were talking earlier, Steve, about the scene in Prisoners with in the bathroom with the hammer, yeah. and how you're like flinching. This movie is uh, Gravity is full of scenes where, because of what's happening, because of the inertia of what they're doing, and how when they're going towards something, like they're just drifting through space. Like if someone could like thump you, and you could just fly off into the void because yeah. there's nothing to stop you. <laughs> there's no so friction scary. against you. So yeah. when there's when they're coming into you know, less than optimal circumstances trying to get from one space station to another or trying to steer a craft from... It's like everything is crashing and bumping and every time they get close, it's like, hold on! Grab on! <laughs> I love that. Like, do what you can not... To. And so as the camera, and it's 3D and it's and it's moving towards the thing, I started to feel that... I was like... I was yeah. like bracing myself against all those impacts, you know? And I think that that was, to me, a sign that A, the 3D was really effective yeah. and B, just that the, that the movie... I mean, you are in the world of those characters. And Absolutely. again, I feel like I've said it a couple of times already, but the simplicity of the story is so important to that aspect of it. The fact yeah. that it is like a ride in that it's a it's an experience that you could imagine a simulator giving you or something, that this would be all about, like, this is what you might encounter. And yeah. all those times when they were kind of, you know, it's not like a gentle bump. It's like, it's like you're going to bump into the thing, and you may accidentally destroy the thing you're trying to <laughs> to, to get to, you know, yeah. and you may end up... And it all seems so fragile, too. And from what we know about that, the, you know, the space stations and everything, it's built out of material that actually could... It is easily damaged. I mean, like, there's... there's it's 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 thin in order to be light enough to transport up into space, yeah. they have to make this stuff as light as it can be. And so all of this stuff, you know, a, a nice piece of debris coming through and it's just like a tin can. It's just, it just rips it's through, it. Right through it. So it's like the constant threat of... of and the debris, 
the debris, man. Why the debris? You know, when you watch a 3D movie and the debris goes off to the left or the right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do that in 3D when yeah. you watch it. It comes straight at your face, which is really, really scary at the yes, beginning of the movie. And, the, and I even, jumped even so when stuff isn't times. flying at you, they use this the 3D and the giant screen. They use it to pr- just to pr- there's so many different planes of action inside mm-hmm. a shot. So when there is like a cloud of debris in the distance, and there's a couple of astronauts in the foreground, and there's a space station in the middle ground, you get a sense of that 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 vastness and that open space yeah. that is just really palpable. It would it's spacious, just like the, the the environment that they were in, and it gave some room for some. I mean, even though there was a lot of action, there still were two three minute periods that yeah. were just silence and. I really love that. I'm I'm good with that if it's a good story. And I, I feel like it was... I think that people have to understand that everything is not going to be popcorn and formatted the same way. And if you're open enough, you'll realize that there are some incredible movies that are kind of off the beaten path rhythm-wise that could shake up your world a little bit. And people need that. People need to see a big movie that could be formatted a little differently than what they're used to. It's necessary, it, 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 especially now when everything is so popcorn, everything is so explosions and shitty shit. Well, to see a movie like this, though, that is very successful and as a popcorn film, I mean, this, yeah. is, a, this is exactly the kind of movie that, that you would imagine audiences wanting to see just because there's, I mean, there's no, there's no question like what's going to draw you into this movie and what's going to keep you interested in it, yeah. you know? So, no, I'm, I'm, I think it's great that it's been successful and I would, I would hope that... Uh, what it does is not to lead people to make copycat films so oh, much as like to will. lead people to to uh, you know let these directors who have a vision give them a giant canvas to paint on and give them you know like using that technology to tell a story that's that's not the usual mindless action fair yeah. is really pretty impressive but i guess that's what uh, Quaron has done all along is you know these these kind of lush films that are very technically accomplished but there is always some sort of a point of view to his movies you know yeah. and i do think yeah you i wondered why this movie was taking so long and then i saw it because for years i was looking forward to whatever his next film would be yeah. and then you go see it and you go okay i can see why yeah. developing this movie That's a took huge gap a really his, long time his catalog like you're like why is there like a six year gap in between his, his last movie and this one like, oh okay that's that's why and as much as i was kind of ragging on the sort of mawkish you know, backstory, a kind of tear-jerking stuff. Uh, imagine what a mark of, like, class it is that this film doesn't pile more of that stuff on. Because another movie would have had 20 more minutes at the <laughs> yeah. beginning yeah. or the end. You would have met more of the crew. You would have, you would have some have... flashbacks. Yeah. yeah, right. There would even be, like, some evil guy at NASA that was trying to scrub the the mission off the book <laughs> so that the no one would look bad. Yeah, I mean, it was devoid of a lot of the stuff that these movies usually pile on. So yeah. I guess it, it it's it's really this worth the anticipation. So yeah. What's that? It's my movie. It's yeah, my movie no, it's up there so for sure for me. Um, you know what? What kind of movie this movie makes me think of, guys? What's that, John? Films that might have one actor as the main thrust of the movie. What the? Would you like to talk about those types of films, guys? What are, that's a great idea. I'm sure there's... Heck I have a yeah. couple in mind. But not till next week. <laughs> that's right, folks. It's our first ever planned two-parter. So, yeah. Any, does it, do you want to give us a cliffhanger, anybody? Like, start a thought and then finish it next week? <laughs> on the spot I feel uh, like we're both looking at Ronald because we know he might be the guy <laughs> he, who he's the one to just make it real awkward um I don't know one of them uh, uh, gosh this might be too much pressure yeah There's he can't handle pressure, this I, I apologize I can't shit boss
All right, so we got nothing. Yeah. Otherwise, tune in next time. To and be as usual, you've made half of our day. Yeah. The other half's coming soon. Yes. Every single one.